It's February 8th, 2017, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and, of course, the startup scene. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. We're going to kick off today's show featuring a couple of upcoming events. Melly James from the Hawaii Venture Capital Association will join us to tell us about the upcoming HVCA Gala Awards. Then, Mike Nohoopi, the Executive Director of the Kaho'olawe Island Reserve Commission, will tell us about the new mobile app for Kaho'olawe. And, of course, then after the break, we'll talk to Sam Aruk and Robert Saito about the latest Accelerate UH program. And of course, their companies, one called Natural Resources Data Solutions and Herbivore Tools. Fantastic. Now, what have been some of the learning moments provided by Accelerate UH? We can also join the conversation by calling in or sending us a tweet after the break. Now, you know, we were on Hawaii News Now this morning. We are talking about Snapchat's IPO. Yeah, big and, deal. You know, they haven't gone IPO yet, mm-hmm. but... There's a lot of buzz about it. Absolutely. They, this week, they did make their official filing to go public in March. They want to raise $3 billion on a valuation of $25 billion. And how much money are they actually making? What's their, what's their profit? Well, they made a major increase in the revenue they pulled in last year. They made uh, $404 million in sales. And they just lost five hundred and fourteen. So that's like a negative profit. Yes, that is also is not correct. uncommon for new companies and certainly startup companies. But it is a sixty-two times price to sales mm-hmm. ratio, which mm-hmm. is kind of a challenge. But if it goes as well as they're anticipating, we're talking about basically the most expensive tech IPO ever, above Microsoft, above Google, well, above Facebook, Twitter. I want to get your impression because I, I see you with your snap uh, spectacles and. <laughs> And I like the fact that, you know, I mean, we all enjoy Snapchat because of its uh, kind of cute filters mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, different kinds of stickers that you can add on. But Instagram has done a major, I guess, pull of audience from Snapchat over to Instagram. And I notice it even on my feed that there's a lot less people that I at least I'm, I'm connected to. So I'm just kind of wondering the viability of Snapchat going forward, given the fact that you've got all this competition with Instagram as well as FaceTime, which right. is, I mean, Facebook, which is mm-hmm. also going to stories as right. well. Well, so obviously Snapchat knows that this is happening. Um, they were kind of the hot new app for the younger generation. I think when Instagram introduced these features that, if, that straight up copy Snapchat, and they've admitted that, mm-hmm. um, they didn't. I don't think they're necessarily losing Snapchat's core audience of the young, hip, Person, but mm-hmm. I think that they've stopped people from moving there. So I've actually heard from lo- that from big fans of Snapchat that say they're glad that Instagram is copying them because now your mom and your uncle they're sticking with they're Instagram go over there. and they're yeah, not coming yeah. here on Snapchat and ruining things. But yes, if you're Snapchat, they did mention it as one of the risks of their filing that you know other. Uh, companies that have replicated our functionality could be a threat to the value of our company. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, look forward to that. And I'm, again, you know, Snapchat is always fun to use, so I think it's uh, something that, uh, at least for me, I think I'll stick around. Yeah, you're at Bite Marks, and I'm Hawaii Geek, so you can see what ridiculous things we're doing and putting filters on our faces. Now, real quickly, uh, what did you think of the the um, Amazon uh, skills, Amazon Echo uh, skills? That's right. a, kind of a new thing, right? Well, it's been um, developed and growing quite a bit. So if you have an Amazon Echo or an Echo Tap or an Echo Dot, which are these little devices like anywhere from yeah. 50 bucks to $150, bucks, uh, you can have it in your house. I bought one from my boss. I bought one from my, my wife. We have one in our living room room and it's just fascinating to kind of feel like you're living in the future you can talk to it they've now made it so you can use three different words to trigger it and mm-hmm. i apologize for anyone who has one but you can say alexa you can say amazon or you can say computer like in star trek you know one of the things that i kind of think is really neat is that the the skills are being available to independent programmers yes. to develop their own sort of 
cool idea. And the folks over at Dev League had a kind of we had them on actually talking about these stupid hackathons. Yep, yep. And one of the guys actually built uh, a skill for Alexa. And what and, did it do? And it <laughs> it was a uh, make me a sandwich, Alexa. And what Alexa would respond with was, make your own sandwich, you squishy monkey. Right. That's very useful. That's very useful. But I think, course, you know, yeah, well, there it are proves app- the point that he could do it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it has the, um, the cool fact that, you know, as an independent programmer, you can pretty much do all kinds of interesting things. Yeah, with there's Alexa. a Jeopardy skill. There's uh, rain, rain ocean. make the rain sounds. There's, and as you have mentioned, as an open data advocate, if I may wave that flag for you, people are connecting Alexa to city services. Mm-hmm. So you can ask for your voting location. You can ask where you can get your driver's license renewed. You can see how great it would be to have a voice interface for these things to help you connect with your communities. Great ideas. Well, we want to get to our guests, and we want to welcome Mele James back. And, of course, she's got a seat with her name on it, so, you know, that's a pretty easy thing to do. And she's here to tell us about the Hawaii Venture Capital Association Awards Gala. Welcome to the show, Mele. Thanks, Bert. Thanks, Ryan. Great to be here. So this is the big event of the year. You essentially kind of recap all the great successes we've seen in the startup community through um, honoring and talking about the investments made. Absolutely. So this is our 17th annual wow. awards 17. event. Yes, we've been around for a long time since 1988. We've been oh, doing so this award since 2000. Wow, that's great. So, and you know, what's special about it is that so many times in media, you only hear about the failures or like the really big successes or exits. And there's so much to celebrate in between. And that's what we're really excited about to do with the 12 awards we'll be having winners for. Of course, there's three finalists per award. So it's a really great capture of what's happening here in Startup Paradise. So the the marquee is, is deal of the year. You have investor of the year, but there. Are, I, I also like that the categories come sometimes shift based on what's kind of really hot in the investment or startup community. What are some of those um, other d- uh, awards you're giving this year? A new award this year is called Island Innovator, and it's mm. really about solving island problems that have a global impact. And that's obviously um, a very big focus now uh, with us being here in an island state. Mm-hmm. What are the things that we, the problems that we can solve in our own backyard that can have global impact? Another one is the corporate entrepreneur of the year, which is really celebrating um, entrepreneurship being seen within large corporations. Oh. That's so, actually kind of cool, Bert. That I would have nominated you for that for when you were working in, in a large local healthcare organization, and you were specifically tasked with, let's build something innovative from the inside. Yeah, but you know, unfortunately, that was a time that was like long gone, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think only now did you're looking at this uh, corporate entrepreneur. And how are you finding those particular uh, nominees? I mean, are the companies nominating them, and where where are you getting these? We do have um, open for nominations, which is about two months prior to when we close. So Mm -hmm. we had a record number of nominations this year. We also reach out to companies that we have heard um, have had a lot of great entrepreneurs and and innovation happening within the corporation. Mm -hmm. Uh, HVCA also had a luncheon earlier last year around corporate entrepreneurship. Mm. So we had invited companies to to select people to to nominate. Well, and that's a great category because I think companies need to look at innovation inside the company because you know as as challenging as it is i mean you're always sort of guided by some traditional business you know business as usual activity right but you got to sort of enforce that innovation and the culture of innovation inside the corporation. Absolutely. It's not just about corporate innovation. It's about creating a culture mm-hmm. of a problem-solving mentality within um, bottoms up and to top down in terms of you know, your employees around you know employee engagement. How can me as an employee in this company see an inefficiency 
and help solve that problem through innovation within the within the corporation. Now, is there a category? That's actually one of the great categories, um, but can you share maybe a category on the finalists so people can sort of hear some names and companies associated with these groups? Any that you want to call attention to? Sure. I'd love to call attention to our Entrepreneur of the Year category. Mm-hmm. And that would be um, Tina Fitch with Hobnob. Oh, they had a very good week this week. They did. They were featured in the App Store mm-hmm. as a new and noteworthy, I believe. That's right. Yeah, they, they were, were on, on Product Hunt. Hunt. Yeah. Yes. And oh, on Product oh, Hunt. Good. Jinx. <laughs> um, so th- they've had a great week. Um, that's Tina Fitch is up for Entrepreneur of the Year. We have Bianca Tubalino with Jet Set ESL. Oh, we've had her on the show. Which is an Accelerate yeah. UH portfolio company. As well as Michael Pfeffer with Ibis Networks. Mm-hmm. Fantastic! Great, great. And then uh, you know, as far as like the this uh, the corporate entrepreneur, what are the who are the finalists in that category? So the finalists for that category is Stacy Clayton with Kamehameha Schools, mm-hmm. and we also have. Um, Ian Kitajima with Oceanit. Who is like, that guy? I vaguely remember that guy. That. And also Dora Nakafuji from Hawaiian Electric Company. Oh, interesting. Very good, very good. So tell us a little bit more about the event. Where is this uh, happening, and, and how can people get involved? So the event will be happening on Thursday, February 23rd, 6 o'clock to 9.30 at Wailai Country Club. Mm. And um, we'll be having a reception, the awards events, a lot of fun. If you're interested in innovation, meeting the real entrepreneurs who are making things happen um, and just interested in meeting people, definitely come and check it out. It's a great snapshot of what's going on. And I want to say a quick thank you to our presenting sponsor, UH System, as well as our some of our big sponsors, Sultan Ventures, American Savings Bank, and High Technology Development Corp. Excellent. And are you uh, having any, let's say, keynotes, or are, are you, is it pretty much straight just for the award, awards. just straight to the awards? Uh, we will be having a keynote, but that is a secret. Oh, Whoa. secret. I like it. Got to come to find out. We will out. have to come to find out. Mm-hmm. So, again, what day is this, and where can someone go to get tickets? Sure. You go to hvca.org to get tickets. And Excellent. And well, that's it. Very good. Well, yeah. you're going to stick around and, and tell us a little bit more about Accelerate UH and all the work that you're doing there. So, don't go away, Melly. But thanks for sharing about the award program on the 23rd. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Bert. And of course, uh, we also want to invite, well, not invite. He's already here. We want Magically. to welcome, welcome Mike Nahoopi. And he is the executive director over at the Kaho'olawe Island Reserve Commission. And he's here to tell us about something cool that's happening with the island, which I think everybody can participate in. Well, thanks a lot, Bert and sure. Brian. Um, you know, it's interesting that we're talking about tech for Kaho'olawe because mm-hmm. for years we've always been a very low-tech operation. Mm. Uh, our focus is the restoration of the island. You know, the, the Navy used the island for over 50 years as a bombing range, and in uh, 1993, uh, through Senator Noy, he was able to get the island returned back to the state of Hawaii and start a 10-year cleanup on the island. Mm-hmm. Um, they were not, never able to clean up all the bombs off the island, so there are still dangerous areas on the island, but we're learning today how to utilize the areas that have been cleared to bring life back to the island and to try to create um, uh, a place where people from all walks of life in Hawaii can come and learn about Hawaiian cultural practices, learn about restoring a damaged area, and to bring healing to not only to the island, but to their lives, too. Mm-hmm. And, of course, up until now, and I would imagine for some time in the future, actually being able to physically visit the island is kind of limited. It's kind of restricted. I know Bert has 
have been a longtime supporter of your organization, and I know he's been able to get to Kotlavi, but a lot of people can't. Yeah, definitely. That's true. Because the biggest problem we have is that not everybody can physically go there. It's still very rough. you got to go across on a boat. Um, when you get to Kahoolawe, you know, if the surf is big, like it's looking this weekend, we might have to swim ashore. And, you know, a lot of people are not physically able to go to the island. So that's why we created this mobile app so that we could – Bring Kahoolawe to the masses, and for those who are not physically able to get to Kahoolawe, they can still learn the lessons of what we have to give everyone in Hawaii. Yeah, you know, trying to, um, I mean, we're all so used to going from island to island via, let's say, you know, airline, and you land in the airport and, you know, just walk off the plane. But if you want to go to an island, if it doesn't have a dock, <laughs> what do you do, Right. Well, that's that's the difficult part. So, like an example, this weekend um, we're heading out there to take a group from the Pacific Century Fellows, mm-hmm. and we're going to go over to um, – we have our own 40-foot landing craft. We'll go across the channel, take about 45 minutes to an hour to get across to Kahoolawe. If it's nice, our landing craft can land on the beach, put the ramp down, we walk off the boat, and we'll get into the camp. But if it's not, then um, we'll sit outside of the surf and put your fins on, put all your gear into uh, trash bags, and we'll – Jump over the side and swim ashore. I so know, Bert, that's, that's are a, you on that trip? Yes, and this wow. is this is the uh, exciting part. You have to think about you know you can't put it in a suitcase because you you know you can't <laughs> go to your baggage claim. You got to put it into something that's yeah, no hard basically a dry bag, tonight. right? Dry bag, and ha- if it goes into the water, you want to minimize the amount of salt water that goes into your stuff, right? All right. Yeah. So, and Mike, for those of us who aren't that rugged, this app is our window into Koolave. What can I get if I download this app? I mean, I'm looking at it now. It's already in the iTunes Store mm-hmm. for iPhone and iPad. I would download it just for that cool KIRC logo. It's a neat logo, but what, what did the app do for me? Well, the the app was created to be our front end into our virtual library. For years, Kaholavi is the most researched, documented island throughout the state. Um, back in uh, the 80s and uh, through the 90s, they did thousands of uh, research projects to document how valuable Kaholavi was to the people of Hawaii. So we have all those records. We have photographs of hunt, you know years of photographs, collections, artifacts. And we created a virtual living library funded through uh, the Institute of Museum and Library Sciences. Mm-hmm. And we have that on the webpage. So that existed for about four or five months. And people could go there and just query up information, artifacts. But what we wanted to do is make it more reachable to the, to the public. And creating the mobile app allowed us to, to take a look graphically on the island, to take a look at areas on the island, pick areas, and see what information is available. And as we populate our database and we put more collections, more photos, videos, uh, information, stories, more lelo about Kaholave, you'll be able to access all that. And, um, you know, one day you can, you know, a lot of students want to know more about Kaholave. Um, one of the things we're seeing today is that there are people who are coming to Kaholave today who don't even remember the bombing of Kaholave. Mm-hmm. It's a whole new generation. So we want to make sure that the new generation that's out there on the island remembers the past, the struggles that were made by our by the Protect Kaholave Ohana to occupy the island, to get the island back to the state of Hawaii, and then our future to restore this place. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of uh, what's on the mobile app versus what's on the web, is there any real differentiation? And, and why would somebody want to download the mobile app versus you know just go to the website and you know enjoy whatever on the whatever's on the website? Uh, the website is is our living library, which is more of a database. Query. So you have to query information. You have to know what you're looking for in on the website. Mm-hmm. The mobile app will present graphically like locations of areas on the island, and you can select 
and take a look at images from those areas, and you can um, you know kind of pick and highlight. It'll be easier mm-hmm. to navigate through the mobile app. Mm-hmm. We really created it to make it a, a easier use of our virtual library. So looking at the app, uh, you can see things in a list of all the locations on the island, or you can just click on a map and see these points, uh, these landmarks and these areas pointed out on the map. Uh, just as an example, is there a is there a landmark or an area that you have found a personal att- uh, affection for that you like to explore on the app? Well, one of the things that um, I spent a lot of time since, since 93 was uh, Honokanaya, which is uh, where the military base was previously located. Um, in that area, you know, it was had other names like Smuggler's Cove. Uh, it was, you know, known for people, you know, they used to have opium smuggling there, you know, back in the turn of century. Um, the military used it as their base, and we've adopted it as our home base to start the restoration and work on the island. Mm-hmm, you know, we, mm-hmm. we're bringing volunteers every month to replant the island, to heal the island, and then hopefully um, the island's been set aside for the future Hawaiian sovereign nation. So hopefully we'll be able to turn this over one day to a sovereign native government, and it'll be the first lands that are set aside for them. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the uh, mobile app, it's still kind of in the beta mode, so it's not totally populated. What is the schedule for the full production release? Well, right now it's available on iTunes for more of a beta testing, and we're looking at April to get the full production out where we will have it available both in iOS and also in Android. Ah, mm-hmm. And right now it's just iOS? It's just iOS. OS right now, yes, for testing purposes. And then once we get it all finalized, they'll um, our our contractor, Koa IT, will finalize uh-huh. it into uh, Android form. So in you know, Koa, they do um, island guides for other islands. And yes. Things. Oh, very yes. good. And that's how we got involved with them was through the Lanai mobile app where uh, they do a mobile tour of the island. We liked what they were doing over there. We wanted to uh, utilize that technology. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And in terms of uh, people who are listening and, and want to download, they can now download it. But if they have some feedback on perhaps potential improvements and enhancements, where might they, let's say, email those suggestions? Well, they can always – I think on the mobile app, there's a place for uh, comments you can okay. send in. Or you can always go to our website, and um, our administrator, um, there's a link there to uh, ask questions mm-hmm. and to provide comments on So in website. this beta mode, you're actually – you're out soliciting for feedback on how to improve the app. Yeah, we want to see how to improve it, what do you want to see, what, what do you want to focus yeah. on. You know, we have so much information – um, we haven't populated the whole database yet because mm-hmm. we still have things that we're still digitizing. We have collections of photos and you know, stories and videos and years of things that we want to put on there. So you tell us what you want to see. We'll put that up first. Sounds good. Fantastic. Thanks, Mike, for telling us about the Koho'olawe Island Guide, now available in the iTunes app store. And, of course, we'll put that up on our show notes for everybody to download. Of course, we'll take a short break. And, of course, thanks, Mike. Thank you very much, you guys, and I'll love to be here. Okay, great. And, of course, we'll take a short break, and when we return, uh, we'll be joined by Sam Aruk and, of course, uh, Robert Saito and Mele James is going to stick around, and she's going to talk about, and we're all going to talk about, Accelerate Your Wage as well as the ag sector. How do your products and services disrupt the status quo? Of course, we'd love your thoughts or questions as part of the conversation. You can call 941-3689 or reach us toll-free from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. And, of course, we're live in the studio. You can tweet us at ByteMarks or at Hawaii. This is ByteMarks Cafe. In the winter, when the Great Lakes freeze, the shipping industry there used to freeze as well. In the old days, they would shut down and everybody would go to Florida. That doesn't happen anymore. I'm Kai Rizdal, surviving in an evolving economy by working through the winter. That story in the day's numbers from Wall Street as well, next time on Marketplace. This evening at 6, following Bite Marks Cafe.
I have got you under my skin. Be sure to tune in on Sunday afternoon at 5 for Sinatra, The Man and the Music. Sinatra holds a couple of a cappella recording sessions and sings on his radio shows Broadway Bandbox and your hit parade in the fall of 1943. I'm Guy Steele inviting you to join me for Sinatra, The Man and the Music, Sunday at 5 on Hawaii Public Radio. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Sacred Hearts Academy, and Urgent Care Hawaii. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And joining us today are Sam Aruk, who's calling in, and he's calling in from Maui. And, of course, Robert Saito, he's here in the studio. Sam is the president of the Natural Resources Data Solutions, a company that assists assists land managers to effectively conserve natural resources through data management products. Robert, meanwhile, is the founding president of Herbivore, a startup company focused on developing innovative horticultural hand tools. And, of course, finally, Melly James. She wears many hats in addition to serving as president of the Hawaii Venture Capital Association. So she had that hat a few minutes ago. She is also the head of New Ventures at Sultan Ventures. But the hat she's wearing now is the program director at Accelerate UH. Many stylish hats, Melly. Yeah, Thank you, Ryan. Looking pretty good. What unique challenges are for are these uh, startups uh, aiming to solve? And, of course, and how has the UH Affiliate Accelerator Program helped them take their businesses to the next level? Of course, we'd love to hear your questions and comments. And that number to call is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. Hey, we want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. Thanks, Bert. Thanks, Bert. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Really Thank stoked to be here. Hey, Sam. I know you're feeling under the weather. We'll try to take it easy on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't. Uh, you know, we won't try to uh, stress your voice too much. But you know, Himalaya is here, uh, here in the studio, and we wanted to give her a chance to tell us a little bit about the Accelerate UH program because the last time we actually talked about it was with with uh, Luke Tucker, who uh, has uh, kind of gone on to other things, right? But now you're doing all, like Brian said, all these hats that you have on. Give us a little background on the uh, Accelerate UH program. Thanks, Bert. So we are actually in our fifth cohort. Mm. We've invested in 25 companies so far. And Accelerate mm-hmm. UH was built um, to invest in the talent as well as the technology coming out of the University of Hawaii. So Sultan Ventures and the University of Hawaii partnered together in a public-private partnership um, to create an investment program and a venture accelerator to really help take these technologies as well as talent coming out of the university to the next level. So that meaning if you're an alumni that came out of UH, you're a current student, you're faculty, postdoc, or even someone that's licensing technology from UH and didn't even go there, all of these are types of companies that we support at the Accelerate UH program. I like that you mentioned that because, you know, certainly the University of Hawaii is a top-notch, top-tier, world-class research university. They're doing things in all sorts of areas, engineering and beyond. And you might think, okay, so certainly we've talked about commercializing that and turning that into a viable business. But it's not a program just for that. It's a program for anyone who's affiliated with the university with an idea that they want to build into a business. Absolutely. You could have graduated 20 years ago and come up with some really cool app idea. And we can uh, invest in your pro- in your company and, and have you go through the program. So even if you, like you said, graduated 20 years ago and, you know, the, the affiliation might be a little bit of a historical uh, <laughs> anecdote, uh, you can still apply for, you know, being part of the Accelerator program? Yes. And we also, um, through the EDA, have a grant um, that is um, helping 
to increase education, entrepreneurial education through underrepresented people in areas. So we are hosting a lot of workshops, um, even for people who may not be ready for a venture mm. accelerator program, who are have an idea and want to take it to the next level. Assault and Ventures Accelerate UH and UH are hosting a lot of um educational workshops coming up in the next few weeks. Now, we're going to hear from Sam and Robert soon firsthand about what it's like being in that program. But so, Melly, certainly as an accelerator program, you provide funding and you hope that they're successful and then you can reap the benefits with them in terms of a successful company. But there are other things that an accelerator program provides. What would you say to someone who says, okay, I graduated from UH in 1987. I have this really cool idea for popsicle sticks that can solve the energy crisis. But what can you do for me, Melly? What does Accelerate UH offer me in addition to funding? So it is a rigorous 15-week program, and it, most of it's about the resources, mentorship, and connections. Mm. So many startups, um, the money, I believe, is the cherry on top. Of course, that doesn't hurt anything, but it's really not about the money. It's a, So many startups, um, when they're getting going, it's about those connections, um, not falling through those initial pitfalls that you may or may not know are there because you've never gone through this before. So it's about that education, um, about finances, about all of the marketing, about all of these things that you, you know, someone becoming a founder could have had any type of experience in the past. Suddenly, you're starting a startup and you're called a founder and you're supposed to have all of this expertise, which you may or may not have. We help to fill in those gaps uh, especially even with your, when you're trying to build out your team. So I would say the main thing is about the resources, the mentorship, and the connections. Now, Mele, one, um, one question that's kind of burning in my mind, I know you've been involved with Blue Startups, and, and now you're with uh, Accelerate and Sultan Ventures. How would you differentiate the program at Blue versus the program at Accelerate UH? Yeah, so Blue has about 50% local companies and then 50% mainland companies. Um, so they do a great job um, with connecting having different themes within their cohort and having uh, companies that are able to mix that are not from here who add some areas of expertise. Asia-Pacific focus. Asia-Pacific, uh, hospitality focus. Mm-hmm. With Accelerate UH, um, I believe the program really rolls up their sleeves and gets very, very involved with the program, from, with the startups from an operational standpoint. So really, really heavy uh, with the programming and the resources and really helping uh, people to understand what, how to build a startup. Um, even looking at Tarek Sultan, who was just named a 20 to I watch for that. the next 20, um, he is a financial mastermind. And he really helps, and our team really helps, a lot of these startups to get creative and think long-term about their business models and their revenue models, which at the end of the day, especially for us investing in these high-growth startups, that is the key, right? If you don't have the right model that you're pursuing and the right partners, it's going to be a pretty tough road. So, Robert, Herbivore, one of the cohort companies here, cohort number five, Accelerate UH, I think you're in the second phase of the program, but take us a little bit back in time. What's your university affiliation for your startup that allowed you to be participants in Accelerate UH, and what was the idea you brought to them and said, help me make this a business? Sure. Um, So, uh, when I was in high school, I actually started working at a nursery on Maui, Um, and that was kind of a part-time thing, you know, just for some extra cash to spend on the weekends, hang out with family. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was cutting um, or maintaining different palms, Arika palms, Kensha palms, um, Manila palms, foxtails, I'd be cutting um, and using hand tools for six to eight hours a day at times. And for me, I just found it really uncomfortable. Uh, I tried all kinds of different products, all the competitors, Fiskers, Felco, Corona, and there's no solution that I found that was a, a nice luxury hand tool. Um, so that's how the idea came, or that's, you know, the seed kind of sprouted then. And then um, from there, I got my bachelor's degree in tropical ag, 
Hmm. And then I got my master's degree in tropical ag right after that huh. um, because I knew I wanted to stay in Hawaii and I wanted to grow plants that are not only unique to Hawaii, but um, plants just that can grow very well in our subtropical environment. Mm-hmm. So you um, wanted to kind of extend this idea of the, the, the sort of the luxury hand tool into a more uh, business framework that could potentially look at the international marketplace? Well, initially, um, it, I took a course last semester, uh, last summer with Peter Rowan, mm-hmm. and it was a new. It's called New Venture Management. Mm-hmm. So, part of that class is you find a problem, you have an idea, and then you go test it. Um, so I, that was the idea that I tested. And when I t- started talking with more and more people, um, professionals, people in front of Home Depot, we interviewed inf- people in front of Home Depot. We found that we had something, mm-hmm. um, and then that light bulb kind of struck. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're actively pursuing it right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we'll hear a little bit more about sort of that evolution of that idea and how Accelerate UH helped you. But let's get to Sam. If Before your voice gives out, Sam, the president of Natural Resources Data Solutions, what was your UH link and what was the spark that you brought to the program? So um, I started out doing uh, conservation field work about 15 years ago and um, worked all over the state. Started out doing forest bird research and well, I got more into land management, working for the Nature Conservancy mm-hmm. and Pukukui Watershed Preserve um, for Maui Land and Pine and, and a bunch of different agencies. And I really got into doing database work and GIS work to kind of manage the different areas where I was working. And um, about eight years ago, I started a consulting business. And since then, I've worked with a lot of different land managers throughout the state. And, um, <clears throat> you know, one of the things I realized is this is a really big problem for you know, small to large to medium-sized conservation and agricultural land managers to be able to manage their information and share their impact and manage their projects. So kind of right now we're shifting our, our kind of data models that we're using for our consulting business into more software as a service. And um, so we can kind of empower more projects to, to you know, do the work that they're, they do. And, um, and basically, and then, um, you know, so part of that I've... Um, I taught GIS at UH, and I have some kind of key advisors that I work with that are UH alumni, and, and most importantly, my wife is a UH alumni too. So that helps. That qualifies. That quali- now, now, Sam, Sam, you know you're on Maui, and I'm curious in terms of the interaction that you have with uh, with Accelerate UH and the program that is provided. Uh, you know, Accelerate UH is based right here in downtown Honolulu. How do you? interact with the Accelerate UH program? Do you fly back and forth, or what's the, what's the routine that you go through? Um, I fly back and forth quite a bit, um, and that it works uh, for me because I have a bunch of projects on the wall, so it works. Um, but I also, you know, I can Skype into meetings and, um, you know, uh, Google Hangout to different meetings, and, mm-hmm. and so that, that works too. But okay. it, it is nice to go over. And have FaceTime. Right. Now, so uh, Sam had a had a consultancy. He had a sustainable business. He, he could have continued paying the bills. He could continue to grow that, find more uh, opportunities. But there was an opportunity that he saw to go big, to scale exponentially, that he can replicate what he was doing here and serve people perhaps outside of Hawaii. So, Melly, for Accelerate UH, I'm not sure if you were necessarily deep into that selection process, but about these two companies, what was attractive to you and said, I think that there's something here that we can scale into a very successful business? So in terms of the selection committee, which I am a part of. Okay, just making sure. Many um, hats. Most, a lot of times when we're selecting, it's about the team. At the end of the day, you know, the idea is important, but the five things we look for is team, 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 
product and how large the market is. Okay. So for the first three being team, is this the team that can pull this off? And for both Rob and for Sam's companies, we both felt very strongly that these individuals as entrepreneurs as well as especially for Rob having a great team, um, they were the team that could execute on this idea. On top of that, looking at the product, um, is this a high have high growth potential? And I know for Rob's company, um, he started off, you know, within a class, within a class, looking to solve a problem, um, looking to help change uh, the the handles and the tools um, within the gardening sector. But then taking it to phase two in terms of technology, as looking at smart handles, that hasn't been done yet, right? So there's a lot of potential. There's a huge market looking at ag. Um, in the state, looking at all these hipsters getting involved with, you know, rooftop gardens, oh, for sure. Urban mar- gardens. Um, yeah. medical, medical marijuana. Gardens. I mean, gardening is becoming a huge, huge thing, especially looking at Hawaii, but also across the country and, and globally. So so we saw that as, as a really huge potential in a market that's growing. For Sam, um, he's been incredibly successful, you know, with his consulting company, looking at land management, looking at challenges with um, food sustainability, water quality. All of these things are not getting smaller. Unfortunately, this is becoming a big bigger and bigger challenge. Again, another market that's growing. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Rob, Malay said team, team, team. I think there was like three teams. I was waiting for the fourth team. But <laughs> tell me about the team. What does your team consist of? So uh, Team Herbivore consists of four people, including myself. So that's me, Derek Woodruff, Kit Elledge, and then Nick Nettleship. Mm-hmm. And each of us has a little something different that adds to the team or complements each other. So Nick, he has over 30 years of experience in the horticultural sector. He's a uh, current owner of a plant nursery, and he used to own a landscape equipment company. Derek Woodruff, he has seven years of real estate experience, um, eight years running a small company, and then Kid is our finance manager. He's a numbers guy, mm-hmm. and he's um, currently an accountant. He has about six years of accounting experience, and then he used to work at a landscape architecture firm for four years. And how about you, Sam, or is it Team Sam? Team Rob. Or oh, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry for myself. Um, I have about 12 years of agricultural experience starting from the age of 16 until um, now. Mm-hmm. So. And then what? Uh, hey, uh, so Sam, <laughs> Sam, what's, <laughs> what's your team, team, team? Yeah, I mean, right now my team is, is pretty small. It's myself and um, I have a couple of developers that I'm working with, but we're actually um, bringing on some other people and that's uh, kind of a, a, a new thing that we're um, – we're, we're starting to work with some other people, so that's that's uh, kind of the next next phase of our business, like building out the team. And yeah, I'm really excited for um, for some of the the really great um, people that are starting to help us out. So that's yeah. you'll, you'll hear, be hearing about that very soon. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so Nelly, Sam what? is definitely looking at building out his team. He's he's got um, a couple of great leads, but the main thing is that Sam was in business for quite some time doing this. He's uh, has over 2 million acres under management already. Mm-hmm. So this is really about turning something that is a growing market. He has a successful business and scaling that in terms of creating the technology that's really going to expand. So so Millie, I mean it, it's obvious that you do have a very good idea of that team and and these Cohorts are the well the companies in this cohort. There's only what how many five? We have six. Six, and they're all related to university. I mean, I'm kind of wondering: uh, is it is it has it been a challenge to find all the potential companies that would consist of the cohort, or the, do you have enough of a sort of the, the deal flow of, of companies coming through? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think every year we've had more and more applications. I think for our first cohort and actually our second as well. 
there was kind of a backlog of a lot of companies that were itching and waiting for a program like this. So mm-hmm. we really got to cherry pick the first two cohorts. Moving forward, the great thing is we've been we've gotten so involved with the university that there's been a lot of deal flow just based on the increase of entrepreneurial classes, similar to the way that Rob got started, um, where we're seeing a lot of these students, and they're a great example of MBA students coming up with a you know problem to solve and taking it to the next level. And we want to see more of that. So we are seeing a lot of great uh, companies coming through we have a really good mix of whether that's IP being commercialized that was at UH and, again, a couple of, uh, you know, student-run companies and things like that. So so we, we, we're, not, we're not lacking. Right, right. And I, I think many of the programs, and to Hawaii's credit, there's uh, a great draw and always a good number of applications for all the programs. I like Melly's mention of teams being important and perhaps even more important than the idea, in fact, the actual business process, because through going through a program like this, sometimes your idea evolves, it changes, and it's not what you thought it was when you came in. So, Rob, Robert, uh, for her before, how has the program been? And I really want to get to, did they give you feedback? Did you get new ideas or, I mean, opportunities that you didn't even think about and have to shift your business idea. Yeah, sure. So um, initially when we applied, we just wanted to bring a garden shear to market. That's really what all our company was, was just uh, we want to sell these garden shears and, you know, a couple of handles. And it wasn't really fleshed out or well-defined. Going through the 15-week program, we're on week 13 right now, I believe. Um, It's really helped just help us gain traction and momentum, trying to think outside the box and think bigger and bigger. Um, So now from one product, We've uh, developed a line of 17 different products, um, and not only that, but we've tried to um, evolve, trying to revolutionize the gardening industry by adding technology into it, um, and that's where we, we created Smart Handles, um, which is not only tracking uh, efficiency of your workers, but it's also uh, good for tracking movement as well, or losing your tools in general, which is a common pain point a lot of growers So have. tell me a little bit about what makes a, a handle a smart handle. What is it? What kind of tech is inside the handle that allows you to get information out of it? Sure. So the whole, um, the whole idea behind Herbivore is to create a more customized experience. We want growers to have a more pleasurable growing experience. And one way of doing that is by melding comfort and quality together in one tool, which in the marketplace, it's usually sacrificed or compromised one for the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so our handles... Based on our platform, our design, you can interchange handles with no tools needed. So if you have a small hand, you have huge, like, you know, just manly hands. <laughs> you're left-handed. Like you, Bert. Yeah, right. You're left-handed, you're right-handed. Um, we have different diameters of handles as well as different structural designs. Because mm-hmm. some people, they don't like the common um, common printers you see in the marketplace. So we just give the user more alternatives. Um, but going back to your question about smart handles, so that kind of evolved later on in the program. Um, you know, trying to think bigger, trying to um, be more attractive to investors. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- while we're doing our due diligence and research, we found that there's a big need right now, especially in the medical marijuana space, um, of this huge influx of trimigrants or people coming all over the, the United like States that. and they're they're being attracted to like places like Colorado and California. And these people are sitting in rooms literally just like this one, eight to 10 hours a day using the same type of um, generic scissor. To, oh. um, to to process the final product, um, and then that you know, based off of that, and as well as uh, more customer discovery, we learned that um, you not only can track workers' efficiencies. So, like, let's say Bert's working. Bert's a great worker till hour three, and then hour three, he takes a two-hour break. You know, and then from hey, hour you know that, from hour six to eight, um, you know, it starts declining in uh-huh. um, in output. Whereas Ryan, 
whole, whole, whole straight hours. He's really efficient. He's really uh, consistent with his output. You know, you will be able to track these kinds of things mm-hmm. and have business owners make more informed decisions, um, be more efficient in their operations as far as movement and stuff like that. Um, and that's just the beginning. So I love this expansion from a simple single piece of hardware, garden hardware, to something that is a line of hardware, and it also brings more intelligence to a company. I also want to hear about Sam's experience, but we're going to have to hold that for after a very brief break. We're going to continue our conversation with Sam Arouk, Robert Saito, and Melly James about agricultural technology and the Accelerate UH tech, uh, Accelerator program. Of course, and we'd love to hear from you as well. That number to call here is 941-3689 on Oahu or from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Hi, this is Ray Cruz inviting you to join me tonight for Latin Beach starting at 8 for the best in Afro-Cuban Latin jazz, classics, and much more. And starting on February the 17th, Latin Beat moves to Friday night from 8 to 10 on HPR One with a new format of salsa, salsa clásica, Latin jazz, and a whole lot more. HPR One, your home for Latin music in Hawaii. See you then. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Jonas Koffler, author of Hustle. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about the power to charge your life with money, meaning, and momentum. Sunday morning at 11. And welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I am Ryan Ozawa. And we're talking to Sam Arouk, Robert Saito, and Melly James about the Accelerate UH Accelerator Program and new solutions for the agricultural sector. And, of course, you can give us a call here. That number is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And, of course, right before the break, uh, we were talking about how the Accelerate Program has sort of given, well, Rob a chance to think about some of the new horizons that potentially could uh, could be reached with his company. And for Sam, Sam, what are you what are you thinking along those same lines? I mean, you know, you're kind of got this business going. It's doing pretty good. You know, you've created a, a good uh, sort of a, a paycheck for your family. What is it about the accelerator that's now kind of taking you to that next level? Um, I think for me, the most uh, beneficial thing was the kind of in the initial phase like uh, we were pushed to do a lot of customer discovery to to validate you know what your your value proposition is and go out and talk to customers and, mm-hmm. and you know I, I interviewed probably close to ninety different potential customers and um, you know asked them you know what their challenges were um, what they liked about what they were doing and um, and then, you know, that, that pushed me to branch out kind of beyond my kind of core people that I'm working with and, and push it into the mainland and as well as, uh, you know, internationally and just kind of test that out to see if that problem was there and, and you know, if people really needed, needed a solution. And, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, that's what really um, geography is on. You know, you're breaking up a little bit, uh, Sam. So we'll 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 get back to you. But you know, Melly, in terms of this cohort, was there anything about this cohort that that had two sort of ag sector companies? Was it a focus that you might have had, or was it just by coincidence 
you know, you've got herbivore and, you know, our, our NRD yes. solutions both being sort of in the ag sector. What, what was it, the confluence that made that happen? So I think the ag sector is um, a, a great sector here in Hawaii that is a reflection of a regional strength. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so for us, we look to, for companies that we can directly um, positive and positively impact. And looking at ag, uh, what better place in Hawaii to be focused um, on that sector? And so that's been actually been a focus of ours. And so that it, there, it's not totally a coincidence that we have two companies in this area. Mm-hmm. On top of that, um, we are, Sultan Ventures and Accelerator EUH are running a VILCAP Communities Accelerator Program in the next couple months. With what, 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 is, what was it called? Village Capital. Village Capital. Village Capital. Steve Case. Um, uh-huh. It's an, an, an inaugural community, one of 16. And um, we're hosting an accelerator focused on ag and clean energy. So it's we're kind of priming the pump a little bit with a, a next accelerator that we'll be hosting in the next couple of months as well. Oh, which is sort of separate from Accelerate UH? It's an addition, yes. An addition. Oh, yes. very good. Now, uh, you know, in, in terms of um, uh, your guys' company, I mean, I know you had initial thoughts of, you know, this sort of custom handle. Right, interchangeable handles. Did you explore the, the Kickstarter route? I mean, what was it that, in terms of your business direction, were some of the alternatives that you might have thought perhaps were possible paths? Right. So our company has only been um, around for about nine months, and um, a lot of it has been customer discovery. So we've talked to over 200 people, um, right, right around 150 growers here in Hawaii, uh, in the United uh, main United States or continental United States, uh, both professionally as well as hobbyists, because we really want to see if there's a problem, and we wanted to see what are their main pain points, what are their top three main pain points. And what we found was their main pain points are comfort, um, a dull blade, and losing them all the time. So trying to create something that can kind of solve all these three things, you know, we went back to the drawing board um, and created uh, what we think is the next gardening shear that will re- revolutionize the gardening industry. Um, we're working on our prototype right now, which will be a working prototype that should be ready next week. And then as far as Kickstarter, we plan to run one in March. Oh, you do? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because one of the challenges, certainly, when you're involving hardware versus maybe building an app or something digital, uh, manufacturing becomes a challenge. You know, prototyping is a little harder than usual. But Kickstarter has certainly been a popular way to find that original that 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 nest of (laughs) uh, nest egg of capital to get started. Right. Um, So we're going to launch a Kickstarter, and then we're going to have a video on there, kind of uh, informing users how to use our product. Why is it so different, or why is it so special compared to the competitors? I mean, we're really looking forward to that. now you you brought up something very interesting which I had never thought about because you know as a as a weekend gardener right I'm just going out there with my hand tools and I'm doing my little clipping here and clipping there and then you know they get all dirty and then I wash them you know under the sink but you're describing something that uh, perhaps somebody has to do for an extended period of time in in somewhat more of a production uh, environment where you know they're tasked with let's say. I don't know, trimming something for the you know the next six hours. That's yes, a, that's a very different use case that I'm right. know, used to. So um, initially, um, it was it's created for professionals who for extended periods of time. You're right, um, but kind of going back on that, there's a lot of um, hobbyists who have um, limb issues, whether that be tendonitis, arthritis, carpal tunnel. So the for the ability for them to use these different gardening tools, they have a harder time doing it. Um, not only that, but a lot of people nowadays they have really soft hands. So I don't know if you ever got a blister before um, in your garden, but there's a lot of people that just get blisters, and they're, they're weakened gardeners as well. So our products offer a more comfort, um, 
more comfortable option for them. Mm. Now, Sam, you know, at, on on one hand, for for Robert, I can see. Kickstarter might work. There's great consumer engagement. Uh, Birds of the Gardener, he might be interested in supporting it. But when you're talking about national resources and and managing them and working with, I would imagine, a lot of government agencies, the opportunities for money seem a little more challenging. Or is that not true? I mean, are you uh, are you facing kind of a different uh, path to success than a uh, gardening handle company? Um, I mean. It's a different, it's a different um, kind of market strategy. I mean, I, the nice thing is I have a kind of a core group of customers already that I work with and people that I've worked with for many years. So um, I'm, I have, I'm in a position where I can kind of bootstrap a bit. But um, I think there's enough potential to um, fund, you know, to, to, for it to, to go really big and, um, you know, either get additional investment or, you know, just keep, keep, uh, with traction and, and, you know, attract more customers. Cause there's a really big need for, uh, you know, kind of a lot of the smaller, um, you know, impact oriented land managers to uh, be able to kind of like measure track and map what they're doing. So are and, you, are um, you looking to so, sell to government agencies, to organizations like the nature conservancy, all of the above? Yeah, pretty much all of the above. I mean, and I'm already working with a bunch of them on the consulting side. So can, so, exactly. can, can you talk a little bit about some of the reasons why they're working with you? Like, what are some of the problems that are you're helping to solve? Um, there's a number of different projects. So some, uh, a lot of them involve, you know, invasive species control. So, you know, um, <clears throat> invasive species control, everything from the, the data collection side of it to the management side of it. So being able to track their grants. So being able to um, basically do project management, figure out, you know, when they need to do their deliverables to, um, you know, community level water quality um, issues where they're trying to get volunteers out there um, to be able to get, you know, accepted science to collect information and use it um, to make decisions to, you know, I've worked on large scale, you know, data driven decision making um, situations where you're trying to pull information all different operators throughout all different landscapes and being able to pull that together. So, you know, we have a, a kind of a grand vision where this kind of can can feed into more of like an ecosystems services model, right? So where you can you can roll up information from an operational level into the big picture so, and, um, you know, kind of do it at all different levels. So, Sam, I'm, I'm curious, with all the various types of customers you might uh, encounter and serve, what part of your service is replicatable across those different clients? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, <clears throat> over the last 15 years, I've worked with so many different projects. You know, I've, I've worked with like hundreds of different resource managers, and there's a lot of similarities in terms of the work that people are doing, in terms of their effort management, in terms of their project management needs, in terms of their, their mapping needs. So, you know, a lot of the data models that, that these different projects are using are really similar. And, um, you know, I, I often come into a, a situation where somebody wants to do something that somebody else is always doing, and they're, they're pretty much reinventing the wheel. So what we can do is basically give them an opportunity just to just spin up what they need mm -hmm. and save them lots of time and money. Well, well, I think what we were really inspired by is looking at 
the opportunity that natural resource data solutions can provide. So looking at things like the rapid Ohia death, right, Mm -hmm. Um, where these land managers or people are going out trying to get field samples and it's taking weeks upon weeks where if they were able to be on one single platform, they could start making decisions within hours or days. Um, I think Sam gave an example um, at a conference talking about snakes in Guam. When snakes were introduced in Guam, you know, now there are literally no birds on the island of Guam. And what if that were to happen in, in Hawaii? You know, seeing an invasive species come in, whether that's a plant or that's an animal, um, being able to make quick decisions in hours or days versus the reason why something goes, you know, spreads wild is because it's literally in a pile of papers on someone's desk and they haven't had time to, to sift through it yet. So as, as a program manager, I mean, you've seen some of the, uh, the, the replication of what he's done foundationally that could be applied to other clients as well? Absolutely. I mean, he's already has 2 million acres under management as of right now. And if you look at... And then these 2 million acres are a, a variety of different kinds of uh, projects, right? Yes. They're they're, not, there yeah. are different reasons why any cu- customer of his has engaged him mm-hmm. it, as, a, as a consultant in the past. And then looking at this to become a platform that literally anyone who's a land manager who has a grant that they need to report on, or there's something like the rapid Ohia death, something like the snakes that you know enter a certain area that are had never been there before where you need to make a decision quickly and if you can't do that because it's an archaic system which it's been in the past via paper and pencil having an online platform really allows um, huge decisions to be made within a much quicker time which could really save that that land or that area it, it could be a matter of life and death well, you know, we've, uh, we want to welcome Tom, who just called in and wants to uh, share maybe a question for our uh, esteemed panel here. Tom from the Big Island, welcome to Bite Marks Cafe. Yes, hi. Um, what he, it, it sounds really, I mean, interesting, I guess, on the cyber level, but I'm just wondering, you know, I, I'm a certified master gardener with, um, with the Cooperative Extension Service uh-huh. out of UH Manoa and Hilo. Mm-hmm. So what what would he be providing up above and beyond what we already provide with all of our scientists there for like soil samples and and um, just any kind of sample we need to bring into the, to that particular facility what would he be providing more than what we already have okay Tom that's a great question so Tom that's uh, that's probably something that Sam you have something to kind of feedback on that that's a you know, as a as a master gardener what is it above and beyond that you might be able to provide uh, to those uh, subject matter resources? Sure. I mean, you know, what I see a lot is that people are using a lot of different tools. <clears throat> They're using a lot of different tools, like kind of spread out across, and it, you know, it's really inefficient. So that that's one thing is just kind of consolidating everything into a single system where you've got, like, you know, all your different data models, and you can work together with your the different things you're doing. All right. Well, thanks, oh, thanks. for that. Thanks. So, um, Good question. Robert, before we run out of time, um, you're, you mentioned heading into a Kickstarter to kind of help uh, kickstart the hardware uh, prototyping yes. and production there. What else uh, is ahead for you and f- as part of the Accelerate UH program? Um, well, we still have another three week- weeks left in the mm-hmm. Accelerate program. And then from there, um, we're hoping to get investment. Um, but you can check out our website at herbivoretools.com for more details and more info. Just, uh, s- sign up for a newsletter, and then you can um, – Stay connected. And Sam, um, do you have, uh, imagine, since you're going through this program and Millie does a great job, what's your next couple of milestones we should be watching for? Um, we're kind of getting some people on our new right. our new uh, platform, and um, you'll, you'll 
hearing a lot more from us. And building a team, absolutely. Building a big, a great big team, right, Sam? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and for you, Melly, um, how's the three weeks left, I guess, in this cohort? What should we be watching for and, and hear back from you about? Yeah, so in the last three weeks, we're in our pitch phase of the, of the accelerator. So they're all working on their pitch, whether that's um, a 10-minute pitch uh, with investors or a five-minute pitch in front of a huge audience. And we'll be having our demo day on March 16th at the UH Cancer Center. And this will be a great event showcasing our cohort five. We'll be having um, a couple other accelerators, Blue Startups and Energy, who will be uh, participating from a startup paradise level, as well as some startups that are within the UH system, whether they were the winner for the business plan competition or the breakthrough innovation challenge through PACE. Um, those will all be companies that you'll get to see a nice example of. And so we definitely want to thank um, the VP, the Vice President of Research and Innovation, Vasilis Sermos, ah, who's yes. been an incredible supporter of the program. We wouldn't have this program without um, him and, of course, U, uh, University of Hawaii System. So thank you. Well, Fantastic. and they've gotten quite a bit of uh, sort of programs that feed into potentially the Accelerate UH program because, you know, they've got the iLab, you've got PACE, you've got a lot of focus on, on innovation over at UH. So and even the OTED folks, right? Potential opportunity from OTED. Yes, we work closely with OTED. A lot of the technologies that we're looking at to help um, commercialize, um, we work with them. Mm -hmm. So where can people go to learn more about your program? They can go to Accelerate. So that's the letter X, letter <laughs> letter L, the letter R, the number 8, UH.com. Fantastic. And actually, Sam, we forgot to ask you if somebody wanted to learn more about uh, natural resources, data solutions, where can they go? Uh, NRDSdata.com. NRDSdata.com. Fantastic. Well, Sam, you take care and, you know, yeah, get, feel get, better. get well. Of course, Sam Aruk <laughs> is with the uh, Natural Resources Data Solutions, and Robert Saito is with Herbivore, Herbivore Tools, and of course, Mela James, Program Director over at Accelerate UH. Thank you all for joining us today. Thanks, Bert. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, and thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we're going to talk about the STEM program at Chaminade University. And of course, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. You can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Koslovich. And next week, starting February 15th, you're going to find... Bite Marks Cafe on HPR 1, 88.1 FM at its new time slot, 6.30 p.m. Write that down, 6.30 p.m. <laughs> Wednesday nights. In fact, all of the talk shows are going to be um, joined with the non-classical music, and we're all moving to HPR 1. And along with a new half-hour format, Bite Marks Cafe will also be rebroadcast each week on Sundays at 10.30 a.m., and of course, the podcast will stay where it's at. You can check out the new times for this and all other HPR programs at hawaiipublicradio.org. And of course, have a happy Valentine's Day, and we'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.